This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. This is Oasis City Radio Music. Twenty-four hours a day at oasiscityradio.com. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and the Oasis City Radio app. This is Oasis City Radio music. Oasis City Radio. I'm just amazed at what God has been doing recently here at Oasis City Church. I mean, when you look back, like. At the, at the past six or seven weeks, uh, and what God has done just this summer. Uh, you know, we, we always say jokingly when people ask us about Oasis City Church, you know, you're just, you're not even six years old yet, and what God has done, and, and all of those things. And, uh, um, you know, they say, hey, what's, what's, people often say, well, what are you doing? What's the secret to success? And I say, well, listen, we broke all the rules. That's the, that's the truth. Like, we didn't follow any of the church planting plans or, or, or all those things. We just did what God asked us to do. And it's just, it's quite incredible to see what God has done. Summers have always been times of tremendous growth for us. Um, usually numeric growth. I mean, this, this year, it hasn't necessarily been numeric growth, but it's just been tremendous church growth. I mean, like a step up in maturity. I mean, starting with, with Georgie and Banoff when he was here and encouraging us and and we had friends in. Christopher Morgan was with us. And Wayne Huirua. Were you here Sunday night for Wayne Huirua? Man alive. What, what, what truth and depth and maturity he brought to us. And, and then Darwin last week, uh, being with them. It's just God's doing some remarkable things. And, and uh, you're in the right place. So I, I just think God wants us to grow today. You know, the title of my message today is more. Because God has more for us. So if you are a... a, a if you're a new believer, understand that God has more for you. There's growth for you. If you've been saved your entire life, which isn't true, but if you have been saved what you think is in your entire life, and you're a mature believer, uh, there's more for you today. God wants you to grow. God wants to, to teach you today. So today I want to, more than preach, I think I want to teach us today because I think God wants to take us to a, to a higher level of faith, a higher level of maturity today. Is that all right? All right, good, because I got the microphone and you don't, so we're going to go, all right? Um, I usually start off with a scripture, but I, but I want to share with you today, before I jump into scripture and prayer, just what the Holy Spirit shared with me. I was reflecting on all that God has been doing, you know, in, in and through the church and, and the incredible season that we're in. And so last Sunday, after we spent the afternoon with Darwin, Tracy, and Bethany, and, and just had a great time with them, I was just thanking God for his goodness. So last Sunday, God, you're so good. Look what you're doing in the, in the church and in the earth and how many lives are being changed. And, and, and I was thinking, man, God, this is what you did. I just can't wait back. I can't wait till next week. Like, I can't wait till next Sunday to be with you and all my OC people. Like, I just can't wait. You know, there's this expectancy, right? And, and Holy Spirit checked me for a moment. You know, you ever get checked by Holy Spirit, you know? Uh, and he said this, he said, you know, he said, Adam, you know, I know you love my presence in the sanctuary on Sundays. Um, but do you love my presence in your closet on Monday? 
And I thought, now, Holy Spirit, listen, you got the wrong person because I'm, I'm a preacher. And this is, that, I preach that to people. I tell people to do that. I got the prayer closet. Like, you don't need to, you don't need to, I, I'm good there, you know? And I didn't hear anything. He didn't say anything else. Like, like he really wanted me to get this. And I really was struck by this truth that much growing up in the church and having a disciplined prayer life is something that I know is required as a Christian, right? Something that we know we need to do. But I find myself anticipating these, these public gatherings of worship, these corporate gatherings of worship, much more than I anticipate the, the quiet times with the Lord. And this is what Holy Spirit just really checked me on. And what I sense from him is a sense is that, is that it's those times in the middle of the week that God really wants us to grow. It's that quiet time with him where God can really, really teach us and work on us in an incredible way that he can't do on a Sunday morning. So I, I want to encourage us today as Holy Spirit was encouraging me uh, with just a few thoughts about this. You know, we've experienced such incredible times of worship. I mean, today, like this, like God's presence is here. And when his presence is here, like anything happens. You, you realize in, in, in the book of Genesis, the, the, the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit hovered above the waters. There's this idea that as he's hovering, like things are happening. God's about to speak. There's an anticipation that when Holy Spirit is there, like anything can happen, you know, like, like worlds can be created, like universes can form because Holy Spirit's there, you know, nothing is impossible, right? So, so, so this idea, and so when Holy Spirit is here, like he is today, you have this just, you just get a little bit excited, you know, you get these goosebumps and you get anticipating what God is going to do because, you know, anything's possible, you know, anything can happen. And so we have these these moments, and if we're not careful, we fall into the trap where we think that that is the moment. But we know that in the kingdom, the kingdom's upside down. So in the world, think about it like this. In the world, you practice, practice, practice for the stage, right? I mean, if you're, if you're playing in sports, you practice, practice, practice for the games, right? You know, if you're in theater or Broadway, you practice a year for a short season of shows for the stage. You know, the, you practice in private, and then you perform in the public on the stage, but in the kingdom, it's, it's, all, it's flipped. It's like this. God wants us to come here to practice his presence so that we can go home and we can live out his presence. It's upside down, right? It's the upside down kingdom. It's like, hey, we come in here. Why? We come into church. Why? Careful. We, we like to say we come to church because we want to get fed, right? Listen, if you come to church to get fed, you're believing a lie. Okay, you really are. Because if you come in church to get fed, it means you ain't feeding yourself. All right. It means it means it means you're a malnourished Christian. It means you're starving. Um, you're 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 anorexic. You're not feeding yourself. So you don't come to church to get fed. We fall into these little you know bad belief systems, you know, and and so we come to church to to be what to be equipped, right? The the, the local church is, is is built on the apostles and the prophets, and we come here to be equipped to equip the saints, right, to do the work of the ministry. That's that's what it's all about, right? So we get here to be equipped, to be to be challenged, to grow, then and to be released. So we come here to practice. And so that's why there are moments where we say, okay, let's all do this. Right? Last Sunday, we challenged you with this. In the middle of a heightened time of worship, the, the challenge came from the Lord to do this. It was, it was let's, let's all shout together. You know, maybe you can shout from a place of experience of God brought you through something, so you shout. 
you realize there are, like shouting is mentioned in the Bible like over a dozen times as part of, of like living a, a lifestyle like Christ, right? Like it's part of worship. So we don't shout because we're Pentecostals. We, we shout because the Bible tells us so. Are you with me? Okay, we, we shout because, because of, so maybe you shout from a place of victory, but last week I challenged you with this thought that, that maybe you need to shout for someone who hasn't experienced victory but needs to experience victory, so shout in anticipation that victory is happening. And so we shouted. So it was, a, it was a corporate practice time, right? So that's what we often do in worship. worship. Worship leader's job isn't to come up here and lead you in worship. A worship leader's job is, is, to, is to make you aware that God is very near. And, and to bring you to a place where you say, you can do this on your own. Are you with me? So we come to church to practice so that we can live it out during the week. Are, are you with me, right? Okay, so, so, so that's the mindset that we're coming from here today, where we're understanding that, that it's in the week and living it out that things really happen. But here's what I've discovered is that, is that we often, the trap that I found myself in last week was that you fall in love with the intimate, intimate moments without the relational equity that's built during the week. You know, I, I love the intimate corporate, like, worship, God's presence is here, yeah, but then there's that like relational equity that's built during the week, you know, that is necessary, right? You know, I mean, I love intimacy with my wife, but if I'm not willing to stay up and talk at, at midnight, like about whatever she wants to talk about and build that relational equity, then the intimate moments aren't quite as good as they could be if the relational equity isn't built. There's relational, uh, there's the relationship stuff that's got to be worked out during the week. Anybody with me? You got to be willing to, to, to work at it. I mean, the, the wonderful intimate times are awesome, but that's not all there is to, to, to life. And yet, if we're not careful as Christians, we fall into a place where we just love the intimacy of his presence. And we're not willing to pay the price of the, of the relational work that happens during the week. Think about it. Think about this. Intimacy without relationship. What is it? it? It's prostitution. Right? Intimacy without relationship is prostitution. And it often leads to, to aborted seeds. Okay? So think about this. I, I, I'm not saying this for shock value. I'm saying this for a, for a reality check for us. The intimacy without the relationship, the relational equity, the time spent in developing relationship is nothing but prostitution. And so we've got to be careful that we as Christians don't fall in love with the presence instead of falling in love with Jesus. Listen, there's, there's, there, there, the presence is where it's at, man. I'm telling you, like, this is what it's about coming here. But it's during the week where that relational equity is built that you really find out who he is. So here's the beauty of this, is that we can have this moment, and God's telling us now, yeah, but there's more. And it starts in the prayer closet tomorrow morning. It's being intentional about our time. 
It's saying, God, I, I want to know you more. This was so good, but, but there's something in me that says, God, there's more to this that I just want to know you. You know, I, I get around some of these guys, and, and this is what I love. I mean, we often say it. We don't let anybody preach up here except friends, people we have a relationship with. Like, it's just people that we know. And I, you get to spend a little time with Georgie and Banoff, and here's my, my walk-away comment with him is this. Spend a couple days with Georgie, and here's what I know. He just, he just knows Jesus more than I do. He has a greater revelation of who God is than I do. And it makes me want to know God more. When he can experience joy the way he has in his life, knowing what has happened, and he can have a heart for orphans like he has that I don't have, but God, I need. And he has a heart to do that and a willingness to say, God, wherever you go, I'll send me. I think I want to know God more like that, but it's, but it's not because he worships harder on a Sunday. He's got relational there. And he's got a few years on me, too, you know, where he's invested time with God. But there's relationship. God's drawing us today to relationship. He's saying, come on, I want you to know me more. Um, this is good stuff. Here's what this looks like. I, I really want to challenge this because I want us to, I want us to get this, but, I'm, but I don't want to keep you too long here today. Here's the, here's the challenge. Intimacy without relationship is prostitution. It leads to aborted seeds. And, and this is the big challenge because if we fall in love with the presence instead of, instead of Jesus, what we get and receive in the presence without relationship, we lose. So we abort the seed. Matthew 13, Jesus tells a story. You can turn your Bibles if you want to. Matthew 13 is this great parable. Jesus says, he tells these stories, man, and it was, they're just brilliant. Like we're still figuring them out, you know, 2,000 years later. So he tells this story about uh, the, the, the good farmer that sows the seed, and some seed falls onto uh, beside the road. And beside the road, there's, there's no soil, and the birds just come and they eat the seed. And then there's some, so, some seed that falls on the, um, on the rocky soil. So there's a little bit of dirt there, but it goes down not very deep because there's lots of rocks. And it, as soon as any storm or rain or, or weather comes, it dies and withers because there's no root system. And, and some goes into the thorns, and it does grow there, but there are so many things of the world attaching itself to the, to the, to the seed, to the sprout, that it chokes it and it dies, so it becomes nothing left. And then there's the good soil, and in the good soil, you reap a, a harvest, a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100-fold. He's not talking about money. He's talking about, he explains it, the word of God. So then Jesus explains it, and he says, listen, the seed is the word of God, and the soil is your heart. So here's the question today. When we get this seed, what soil is our heart like? Now, in, in, in danger of uh, uh, adding something to Scripture, um, I want you to go with me for a moment because I do think there is one other type of soil that we have now that Jesus didn't have. Okay, humor me. I'm being funny here, okay? I'm not really trying to add to the... To the scripture, and you know, Jesus is going to strike me dead. I'm not going there, right? But you know, you got the different types of soil, right? So there's three kinds that aren't aren't good: the one by the road, the one the rocky kind, and then the thorny kind, right? Those are not good soils. And then there's the good kind. But then there's also, I think, there's also this other kind. This kind, I'm just going to call it the church soil. 
Okay, this is, this is just, can I give you a perception of me? Like, like a, like a, it's just a perspective that I see. All right. Here's what I see. The church soil. The church soil, the church soil looks like this. It, it's the soil that when the seed drops into the church soil, the church, the church person picks up the seed. And they say, I got a word. And then they take the word and they go, you know what they do? They, they go tell everybody they know, I got a word. And they say this, look at my seed. Look at my seed. And they run and show everybody their seed. And then they, then they say, you know what? I'm going to take a selfie with my seed. Look, look at my seed. Look at my seed. I got a word. I got a word. Let me tell you about this word. And, and then we go and then we, you know, we put it on recording, right? So then, then we, but we put it often, we take that seed and instead of it going into any soil, we put it up on a shelf and we say, I got a word. I got a word. Look at my word. Look at my word. And, and the seed never gets into the soil. Many of us are asking God, God, I need a word from you. God, I need to know what you want me to do. God, what do you have for me? I need an answer from you. God, what is it you have? And the truth is this. God has given us all kinds of words, and we got them scattered all over the ground, and they're up on the shelves, and then they're little plastic display cases of that one time where the prophet so-and-so gave me a word here, and I got a word back then, and then there was this one time that I got a word, but it's never come down and rooted and grounded itself in the soil of our lives. We've never nurtured it and fed it. And so I think one of the greatest challenges of the church today is not to get, is not to get a breakthrough from the Lord, but rather to understand, to be able to hear his voice, to be able to hear him and then be able to do something with it. So here's the challenge, and I'll go through these quickly. The first one is this, is in, in Matthew chapter six, this is what Jesus, Jesus told us. He, he's talking to the disciples and he's, on the Sermon on the Mount, and it's this incredible picture. Um, and I'm in the New Living today, so it says this, but when you pray, well, let's just read this together. Can we do that? Okay, let's get it right the first time, because first service didn't, so let's be the more spiritual, seasoned, mature crowd and get it the first time, okay? Let's say this together. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. I love this because it doesn't say, but if you pray. Jesus said, when? Not if. When. When you pray, go away by yourself. Uh, 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 several other translations say, go to your secret place and shut the door. I want to talk to you today for just a moment on the topic of this. Shut the front door. Uh, we need to learn to shut the front door. Here's what that looks like. How do we, how do we shut the, the front door in our lives? Jesus said it was so important that you have to go away and you have to shut the door. If we're to develop an, a relationship with Jesus outside of the corporate worship experience, we got to be a people who learn to shut the door. Here's what you do when you shut the door. The first thing is this. When we shut the door, it eliminates distraction. This is really important. When we go somewhere to, 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 to pray, we've got to learn to shut the door no matter what that looks like. How do we, how do, we do that? What does, what does shutting the door look like? Here's Jesus in, in Luke chapter 5, verse 15. He says, but the news about him was spreading even further, and large crowds were gathering to, near to him to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus himself, verse 16, would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Catch that word, often. Jesus didn't do this once, but often Jesus would slip away to pray. 
He was healing people and transforming the entire region so quickly that crowds were literally following him everywhere that he went. And what did he know he had to do? He had to slip away and pray. That's how important it is. Listen, there ain't no crowds following you like they were following Jesus. That's just the truth. You think you have a, prop, you think you have a busy schedule and there's too many people in your life? The entire world that existed there who knew of Jesus were following him. We're saying, where's he at? Which way is he headed? We got to see him. Have you seen what he's done? He heals everybody that comes to him. This guy works miracles. The entire world is following him. And Jesus still said, I'm going to slip away and pray. We don't have any excuses. We've got to slip away. It's that important. I discovered something the other day, and I believe uh, this could change your very life. For some of you, it'll be the most spiritual thing that you take away from today. So get, you might want to type something up. Are you ready? You might want to write this down. This is really, 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 really important. It will, it will change the way you, you function on an everyday level from here on out if we apply this to our lives. Here's what I discovered. Airplane mode on your phone doesn't just work on airplanes. You know, when you jump on an airplane and they say, please turn all electronic devices into airplane mode, you know, so it doesn't interfere with whatever story they make up, you know, whatever they say. <laughs> airplane mode, the ability to shut your phone off from any notification with one button, that button, it doesn't just work on airplanes. It works in everyday life. And if you hit that button, it won't distract you. <laughs> like revelation. All right? Airplane mode shuts the door. That's part of shutting the door. You know? If you're a stay-at-home mom, and listen, I, I understand it. There, there, there's at least one day a week where I stay home with the kids, and there's only... I mean, in the summer, there's three. and not summer, there's only one. And I don't know how you stay at home with kids. I, and they're great kids. I just don't know how you do it. But, but you know, I, I think back to the old story of John and Charles Wesley's mother, Susanna. This is what she would do when she would pray. Now, mind you, she had 16 children, and they didn't have Xbox or phones for the kids to play on, you know, back then. And this is what she would do. Do you know what her secret place was? She would take those, you know, they wore those dresses, you know, and corsets and all that stuff that they had around, and she would take the apron, the top layer of her dress, and she would throw it over her head. And when she threw it over her head, the 16 kids knew not to bother her because mama was in her secret place. So again, we don't really have any excuses. She has 16 kids, and she threw a dress over her face and said, this is my secret place. I'm going to shut the door. But come on. You, listen, every one of you right now, we've already thought of, 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 of excuses of why we can't do secret place and shut the door. You've already thought of it. But that's what we do. We've got to be intentional about it. We got to shut the door. It eliminates a distraction. The truth is this, is that it really just eliminates external distraction because the second point of shutting the door is this, is that we learn to embrace the silence. Shutting the door embraces silence. And when you embrace silence, you understand that the greatest distraction is not external, but it's internal. And then you're faced with this greatest distraction in your life you'll ever have, which is your mind. And here's the secret. If we as a people can learn to discipline our minds to the place where we quiet our mind before the Lord, it will transform your life. 
embracing the silence. How many of you at your workplace, they do some form of meditation? Or they allow you some form of meditation? Any like progressive job? Yeah, like, like, like you, okay, nobody. Y'all work at old companies. Y'all, everybody works at old companies with no millennials and no like, okay. So, you know, you understand like that many companies are trying new things to, to get their, their workers to, to perform better. And so put one of those things they do is, what, are they, what kind of meditation do they call it? What's it called? All right, that you all don't know. None of you, but nobody works there. Um, you know, there's, a, there's an idea that, that companies will often create space in your, in your work for you to meditate. Okay? Well, here's the thing. They're paying you to spend time with Jesus. You know what I mean? Go into a place of meditation where you're meditating on the Lord and saying, God, speak to me. I silence and quiet my mind to you in this moment. Speak to me, Lord. Wow, what an incredible opportunity. We have to embrace the science and learn to discipline our minds. The, the theologian Dallas Willard says that the two most radical disciplines, two most radical disciplines in the Christian walk are silence and solitude. They're the most radical because they're most difficult for us to be able to be quiet before the Lord, silence and solitude. But the, yet they're so important. You see, the quiet place is a necessary place, and it's a really, really, really special place. We've got to embrace the silence in the quiet place to be able to develop relationship. A couple weeks ago when when Chris Morgan preached a message, he talked about Elijah and he told the story. And for the sake of time, I won't read it here, but it's in 1 Kings chapter 19. After he had gone to the mountain and brought down fire from heaven. Understand, Elijah is the greatest prophet in the Old Testament, right? You know, we know that. He, He has this moment with fire that he brings fire down from heaven, consumes an altar that has been soaked in water in the middle of a drought. So it wasn't just this display of power. It was absolutely crazy. He was wasting all their water supply on an altar. It was nuts. The greatest display of power the world had ever seen in front of all the prophets of Baal. And Elijah set, it, set the whole thing up. He said, I'm going to do this, and you do this, and we'll see whose God is God. I mean faith radical faith. I mean, faith in front of all these people, but this is Elijah. Elijah says, my God's God, and I'm going to do this in front of the whole crowd. And yet Elijah then goes from that very place, and he tucks his tail between his legs and runs and hides when he hears that, Je- that Jezebel is going to kill him. And he runs it up into the mountains and goes inside of a cave, and this is what 1 Kings chapter 19 says. He hears the Lord tell him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. And it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was fire, which he had just seen on the mountain, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the Lord spoke to him in a whisper and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? The greatest prophet in the Old Testament could hear and see a demonstration of the power of God on display in front of thousands of people and the rulers of nations. And yet he didn't know the still small voice of the Lord. So if the greatest prophet in the Old Testament didn't know the still small voice of the Lord, could it be possible that sometimes we don't know the still small voice of the Lord? 
correct answer would be a affirmative head shake like this. Sometimes we don't know the voice of the Lord. Sometimes we miss the still small voice of the Lord. So imagine this. If Elijah can learn the still small voice of the Lord, can we learn the still small voice of the Lord? Does he have to take us through an earthquake, wind, and fire for you to hear it? Or what if we just disciplined ourselves to hear it on a weekly basis in our quiet place? What if we disciplined ourselves to hear the still small voice of the Lord? What would we as a people look like? What would we look like to be able to see and know the power of God in a corporate place, a demonstration of his power, and yet be able to know him in the quiet place, him speaking? That's power. That's special. You see, the last thing that, that what we have is when we shut the door, shutting the door, what it allows us to do it is it enhances our hearing. Shutting the door enhances our ability to hear. Hearing the voice of the Lord could possibly be the most important thing you'll ever develop in your life. Hearing the voice of the Lord. Not hearing your pastor preach or read the scripture. Not watching that preacher on TV preach and get you a word. Not listening to worship and hearing scripture and getting a word. But hearing the voice of the Lord for yourself is the most important task thing you could ever develop in your life. If you want a word from God, go get one. If you came here today to get a word from the Lord, because you really needed one. And you say, God, I'm going through a situation in my life where I've got to have a word for me. Not, not just a word in the Bible that's generic, but I need a specific word. So you're talking about a rhema word, a word that is for you in the moment, for me, and for now. If you need one of those words and you came here to get a word, I'm here to tell you, go get it yourself. Go to your quiet place tomorrow and say, okay, God, I've shut the door. I'm moving distractions. I'm facing my internal distraction. I'm embracing the silence. But now I'm here to enhance my hearing and to hear from you today. I need this word. Because see, here's what happens is when we hear the word and we get the word, we're able to hang on to it and we're able to do something with it. Several weeks ago when I last preached, we talked about the houses that were built on different foundations I always just thought that like if your foundation was built on Jesus, that your house didn't shake. But no, what does the scripture say? It says, those who hear my word and do, their house is built on a rock. But those who hear my word and don't do, their house is built on sand. So when you get to the place where you finally hear the word, what do you have to do with it? You have to do it. You have to take that word and not put it up on a shelf. Let me say it like this. Throw, throw, me, the, throw me the football there. She got to hand it over. All right, so this is my last. This is, I'm wrapping up right here. This is my illustration. I didn't play football growing up. Anybody, anybody play football growing up? I, I didn't. I, I was from Indiana. All, we just played basketball. And, uh, but... I got one football player in the room. This is, I'm trying to engage you guys. Who played football? 
Okay, a few of you. All right. Anybody play wide receiver? Any, any wide receivers in the house? Okay. Okay. A couple of wide receivers. Okay. Here, here's the thing. Here's what I know. Uh, this is what I've been taught about wide receivers. Okay. This, and you, if you're a wide receiver here, and if this isn't right, you correct me after I make my point in the lobby after, after service. Okay. Um, here's what I know about wide receivers. Okay. Wide receivers got one job. They got one job. And that is this. What is it? To, to catch the ball. Okay. It doesn't matter how talented you are, how fast you are, how quick you are, how, um, how able you are to elude defenders, how good of a route runner you are. If you can't catch the ball, you're a worthless receiver. Okay? Um, that's, that's all a receiver has to do. So a receiver catches the ball. But here's also what I know, is that when a receiver catches the ball... All of a sudden, their, their mind shifts into an understanding of this truth, that they're about to die. <laughs> because here's what happens in football, okay? Think about this. Wide receiver's watching the quarterback, and so when he, his, his entire focus is on the ball. You know, they make prescription drugs that help you focus illegal in professional football because you recognize that focus is such an important skill. Focus gives some players an advantage. So they get suspended for having focused drugs, okay? So it's that important. They focus on the ball, but catching the ball, here's what the truth is. Their eyes have been on the ball, and now what they know as soon as they catch the ball is this, is that there are 11 players in a different colored uniform around them somewhere. They don't know where they are because they've been looking at the ball. Somewhere that are trying to kill them. And so a receiver's... A main intent goes from catching the ball now to whatever it takes at whatever cost, don't drop the ball. Like whatever it takes. So if you're up in the air and you catch the ball and they hit your legs, which causes you to do a somersault, you can fall, but don't drop the ball. You can catch a pass running this way full speed, and there can be a defensive back running this way full speed at you, and if you have the ball and you're running 20 miles an hour and they're running 20 miles an hour, they're going to kill you, but don't drop the ball because at that point, it's all about maintaining control of the ball, and here's what we have to understand and learn as Christians is this. Once we get a word from God... We have got to come to the place where we, like a receiver, have an understanding that at no matter what cost, I can't drop the seed. And when we have intimacy without relationship, we drop the ball. Because the seed isn't that important to us. Because we don't really, really know. Come on, help me. We don't really know the Father. We don't really know who He is. We don't really have relationship. We had a great moment with Him, but the seed really isn't that important. So we, so we drop the seed because we don't really know who He is. But when we know who God is, when we develop time with Him in our week, when we've built relationship with Him, when all of a sudden our love extends beyond a great moment into something where we say, I want to do life with you. I, I really, 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 really love you. All of a sudden, the seed, the Word, becomes of the uttermost importance because you recognize that it's the very thing that you have that will sustain you. 
And so when we walk into a place where we receive a word from God, our, our, our focus has to shift into the entire place of like, I have a word from God. Now I just have to hold on to it. And just like in football, recognize the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's going to try to poke the ball away from you. He's just going to try to murder you and take the ball. Okay? He's not after you. He's after the ball. He, he's after your word. Because here's the thing. The word in your life is what's going to sustain you. It's what's going to get you where you need to go. It's, it's your whole entire purpose. It's why God created you. It's going to take you into your destiny. But if we lose the ball, we lose what God has for us. So then all of a sudden we become a people who say, I got the ball and I'm going to cover it up. I'm going to learn how to hold the ball. I'm going to learn how to carry the ball. And I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to run with this thing. And no matter where you're coming from, I'm going to guard this for my whole life. You know what? I might not score a touchdown this time. You may get me down, but I'm going to get back up. And I'm not going to drop the ball. And this is what we do. We, we lose the ball too many times. If our, if our life is like the soil beside the road, we don't even know we got seed. And it just gets plucked up by the enemy. Or maybe it's rocky soil and it just goes so, so shallow that when anything happens, I mean, my daughter got a cold. Well, I, lo I lost the seed. I lost the seed. Or, 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 or maybe you'll get to the place where you're like, where, where you get it and you got the seed and you're like, yeah, I got this. But your life is so full of stuff in the world, not even necessarily sin, but just stuff. You've got so many things and commitments in your life. You've got so many kid things. You've got so many family things. You have so many distraction things and work things in your life that all of a sudden the seed gets lost in the forest. But I'm here to tell you today. That when we take our seed and we plant it in the good soil, and then we watch over it, and we protect it, and we guard it, what happens is it, it, it sprouts and it begins to, to form a tree, something that gives life. And as we nurture that relationship and pour into it, and then we begin to see that fruit comes out of it, not just fruit, but fruit that remains. So here's what God wants us to do today. He wants us to get a word. But listen, we all got words. We all got words. So take the word that you got and don't let go of it. Don't drop it. Don't let the enemy steal it. Take it and keep it. Would you stand with me? I really sense here today, even, even right now, that the Lord is he, he's restoring some seed. I just heard it. It was seed that had been stolen that God wants to give back. So we're just going to say yes to that. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands right where you're at. Thank you, Lord. We say yes. We say yes to you, Lord. We say yes to you, Lord. We say yes to you, Lord. Right, right now, there are many of you here that you recognize that you've lost seed, that you've fumbled seed, right? You've, you've, you've let the enemy steal it. And right now, I just want you to, just to, just to call that one out, whatever, whatever it is, that seed in your life, that word from God, maybe it's a loved one, uh, it's a promise from God, it's something the Lord gave you, a dream, a, a purpose, he gave you vision, he gave you something, and you feel like you've lost it because you didn't guard it like you were supposed to. But I believe that right now, God wants to restore seed to people today. 
he's restoring it. What the enemy has stolen, he's going to give it back. So, Father, right now, I just speak over your people, God, a restored seed into their lives. God, stolen seed. God, things that have been stolen, we declare in the mighty name of Jesus to be returned now in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name. Now, God, return seed, return promises. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. Thank you what you're doing here. You're good, Lord. You're good, Lord. You're good, Lord. You're good, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We say yes, Lord. 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 Mm. For everyone here, and I don't often say that, but for everyone here, God is calling us into a deeper relationship with him. He's calling us to get to know him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to prostitute the things of God. And when we experience in him in a way that we have here today, and we don't develop it during the week, it's what we're doing. And here's what I recognize. If we as a church don't foster your ability to develop a relationship with him, then we're enabling it. That makes us the pimp. And so as a church, we're saying, develop your relationship with him. We're saying yes to that. And you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks and months about how we're going to develop and grow and become disciples of Jesus Christ. But the word of the Lord for us as an entire body here today is to go home and find some time with him. 